0: Mick has arrived?
1: Yeah, you're Mick. Mick. I I, I, What? What's going on? Is this a Gen X thing? What's.
0: Is this a Gen X thing? What is
2: this? Like, just to get that out of the way. The Rolling Stones? No?
1: Oh, Michael Jagger.
2: I'm. (laughs) Excuse me, Michael. (laughs) Michael
0: That's a. Were you actually making a Mick Jagger reference? That's so weird. I think that just happened. That's not even a Gen X reference. Isn't that a boomer thing? Totally. Boomer thing.
2: Look, yeah. I'm trying to appeal across generations here. I feel like we've been too Zoomer recently.
1: Mm. Okay, okay,
2: <laughs> we need okay. our we need our okay.
1: demographic to skew older. That's the, <laughs> look, I'm looking <laughs> at the
2: stats. Listen, okay. we're
0: just running the numbers. Um, and too many youths. I, uh, today's been brought to you by Propecia. Something older We can just have like pharmaceutical ads, I guess. as... Brian, didn't
3: you read the comments today? This is not the podcast we put ads on, it's the other podcast. I, we put it is, ads I know, on. It's
0: true. I know. I know this is, it's the other podcast. Uh but would I still don't know if like this is just a commitment to the bit, Adam, or if you were actually referring to me as Mick. Is that is this what I was hundred
2: percent not only okay. was I referring to you as Mick, I have referred to you as Mick as oh Mick in this context oh, many no. times. No, yeah. There is, as they say, there is
0: always a chat that includes everyone except for yourself, and in which in which you are talked about, and in the, like clearly this in this chat, like I, I am known as Mick. This is, it's mostly so a wait, chat
2: with between me and nobody else. So who's Keith like, Richards? Well, well, I mean. There's so many I'm Keith Richards. Questions. Jeez. Do I have to oh, draw okay. a picture? All right, all right, Come right, on. Right. Why do, why do you think I've been wearing all that shit um, on my head?
1: <laughs> Walk I, around I, with I, your I, arms in front of you a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, good. if you're Keith Richards, I do kind of want you
0: to draw, draw a picture. Can you give, can, can you get like <laughs> mid journey or e on you as Keith Richards?
1: <laughs> no, a, you as Keith Richards drawing you as Keith Richards, yeah, I think. I, oh, you know, oh there the, we go.
2: Very, very,
1: yeah. very meta. Uh,
0: all right. Well, look, yeah, I guess, I guess Mick is here. I I still feel extremely uncomfortable, but, um, here we go. Uh, welcome everybody. It my. Is my audio okay? Is this sound man, good? Sounding good. Hey, professional you
1: know,
3: podcast the, quality audio. The, today, the professional I podcast. I know and you did, did the, the. You the the did the voice. L-
1: slight intonation that happens at the start of the episode with the hello thing. So I think it's all hello. It's all. <laughs> is that oh is that we're talking about? That's the yeah. That's the one. Okay. I, I,
0: is this retribution for me pointing out that you, when you say good meeting, you are indicating that it's time for everyone to leave? Is that what this is about? Uh a little bit it's fine good 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 podcast good podcast all right well that's (laughs) it folks um all right well we are here uh actually so i before we get into helios um i am actually reading a um so adam i i read high noon which no nice right and we we talked you talked about the books in the box episode uh you gave or re-gifted to me for my birthday depending on what's perspective as long as you're comfortable with that um, the and then that book refers to another book about the early history of sun called Sunburst. Apparently, you cannot write a book about sun without making a sun pun. And I don't know if you saw this one. They only made like one reference to it in high noon. And this is a book written in 1990. And it's huh. it's it's really quite good. It's it's interesting. Huh. I mean, it goes into uh so it covers those early years. Um, and it's fascinating. You know, we kind of decried the, the lack of an early history of sun. And uh, this one's got a, got a lot of good stuff in it, and in particular, there is a lot of good early Unix history, and why, and kind of the the Unix wars, and why it was such a big deal that Sun was all in on Unix, obviously. And this is kind of before the before the rise of Windows as a server alternative. So this is really the the Unix wars are strictly the 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 Unice, the proprietary Unices all fighting among themselves and then kind of fighting VMS. But it's uh, felt very timely because we um, talking about the operating system that comes with the computer um, and it's a big deal. So, and, and it was a big deal then. And so they talk about the AT&T deal a lot where, the, and I mean the, the very ill-conceived AT&T deal, which is really um, where Sunos 4.x um, becomes, it, it's thrown into a, with a, particle accelerator and collided with uh, SVR 4 to generate what becomes source 2.x, which is pretty interesting. So which they nice. call well, S- system five release 5.0 is what Bill Joy calls it in this book.
2: Huh. Nice. Well, uh, uh, my birthday is coming up in six months or so if you need to re gift it.
0: Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's an excellent suggestion. I think I might, I might actually have to regift it. I might have to, Perfect. to uh, re gift it. Well, and it's, this is one of these, uh, it's a library copy. How do you feel yes. about when you're reading these library copies? Do you feel that you are an accessory to a crime or do you feel like no, you I, are engaged I feel in the like, upcycling of our precious literature?
2: I think there's a little upcycling. And for these kinds of books, actually, I feel like there is a sad, like there's a, you know, there's a person in the back office of the library who has thought, you know, this high noon book. Or sunburst, like people are gonna love this thing. People are gonna love. I'm this. gonna this, order. This one's gonna go. Two this copies. One's gonna go. Right. Yeah, we're gonna order two copies. Like, it, and yeah. And you look at like the you know the, the stamps straight. in the back of the book, and it's, it's like never checked out. Nobody has ever read this thing. And you know, it's it, it's either me or the short leg of somebody's coffee table. Yeah,
0: I was just gonna say it's like not even really fit for a monitor stand. Unfortunately, like the, the just the geometry is wrong for a monitor stand. <laughs> These poor books, and they end up they end up here. Um, all right. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good, good re-gifting idea from uh, from, from Jack from the library. Um, so we opened up Helios over the weekend, something we'd been actually meaning to do for quite some time. Josh, were you surprised? He is, I
1: suppose, really. <laughs> Years. <and laughs> what do you was. think about it?
0: Were you at all surprised when this became the top story on Hacker News today? Am I the way one that I is, like, totally only surprised? I found out
1: this? about that afterwards, like, later. Yeah, that's for the know. best. There were already a hundred comments.
3: I, 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 I said I this earlier, Brian, comments. but a thing I wanted to get off my chest is I've been responding to people who've been asking on places like Hacker News about it, open sourcing and being like, yeah, I, I also think it should be open sourced. I should like ping the appropriate people and see what we can do to get that done and then have not done any of that over the last couple months. And then today <laughs> I'll just open source it. So I was like, oh my God, I didn't even do anything. But also right. like the I've been saying like, that like, wow. but I had nothing to do with this whatsoever. I did zero work. No, don't uh, worry. Though, it's like, good to his People. Word. People, who, other
1: people other than you have remembered to ask me and then I have also not done anything about it. So, like,
2: it's, well, and
1: it's just one of these, dragging and, on a bit.
0: Yeah, it's dragging on a bit. And and for good reason, right? I mean, the just to be clear, like, there's nothing... This was not, like, hand-wringing over the top-secret proprietary stuff um, in Helios. No. Um, and maybe to kind of explain why it was just a little more work than you might expect to get this thing open, uh, of, the, of the purely of the kind of uh, just... Quotidian kind of work, right? I mean, it was just a hammer swing to get this thing open, just because you got to make sure that it can build when you're not in our organization and so on. Um, Josh, do you want to describe like just what Helios is? And in particular, I think it's important to clarify the relationship between Helios and Alumos, and between a distribution and an operating system. I think that that's a that that's a lightning rod. But what is Helios, Josh?
1: Jesus. All right. Uh... <laughs> I'm not going to touch the operating system question.
0: Okay, Uh, I think we will. I mean, you you can touch it for you. I will touch it.
1: uh, I'll go first. (laughs) Yeah, you. (laughs) Then you can. On second thought, then you you can bring in the the supervisor bit decision. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right. Uh, Yeah, so it's a distribution of Illumos. Like uh, Ubuntu is a distribution of Linux, I guess, in a sense, and then, which really is. I mean, I think a distribution is just a a whole bunch of software from a lot of different places and integrating them in some way that they can be used together without, like with orders of magnitude less work by the person who's consuming the distribution than the people that put it together to begin with. So like, you know, you'll have install media that might let you install it on a, a physical desktop or something. You might have disk images that work in VMs in the cloud or something and you didn't have to put those together because someone has made a distribution like a collection of source and binary software that all sort of works together already I think it's probably really the the most concrete part of it I
0: think it's a very uh, good definition
1: yeah I mean that's you know that's like that's nothing new people are doing that all the time like for the BSDs are a distribution yes you know the, all the different Linux distributions Windows is a distribution of you know, itself, I suppose. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so we took Illumos, which delivers a a kernel and a C library and hundreds of other libraries um, and a lot of core Unix system utilities like grep. It's pretty similar to FreeBSD or or NetBSD or OpenBSD in that regard, in that there's a lot of kernel and userland stuff and the userland stuff is both programs and libraries and they're all kind of meant to work together.
0: When I, I do think that this is a really important distinction and this is what I meant. This is maybe, this is the voltage that I, that you uh, that I, I intended to touch, but the, that I think when people hear, if you're coming strictly from kind of a Linux perspective, a distribution is a massive engineering undertaking because Linux itself is just a kernel. And you actually have a whole bunch
1: of other decisions you need to make. There's a lot um, of owl left to draw. There's a lot of owl left to draw. Or, or that horse oh. picture, right? Where the horse right, totally. the horse is different a, at both ends or whatever. A, yeah, a lot I mean, of
0: lib owls that must be
1: that, <laughs> yeah. that must be integrated.
0: Well, because you got to figure out like you know which libc are you going to use, and then you need to do risk management around that. So you need to be like, okay, so now yes. we're going to like we are going to you know we're going to use glibc, which would be kind of common, but people do use muscle. It's like, okay, now we're going to we need to, uh, are we going to flip patches on that? Are we going to, how are we going to do risk management? We're going to kind of test this thing as a unit. And it's like, you're yeah, not, how, how, much,
1: how much harder do you want dynamic linking to be than it needs to be? Like, I think is really the, the decision with the,
0: the libcs over
1: there a lot of the time.
0: Right, and the, importantly, because Illumos, like the BSDs, does include system libraries, does include commands, does include a whole bunch of stuff that right. is designed and is kind of risk managed as a unit. It is le- this is less bonkers
1: than one might think. Um, to yeah, you, it, it, you it, only need like tracking. ten, ten or twenty additional packages to to really make a relatively complete base system, and and that's you know sometimes only because people expect things like Bash right as a shell, right? So like Bash is like one of the things that you would need to 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 get a build of together, and then a handful of things like you know Live XML two and like a TLS library and a couple of other bits and pieces that, that that we don't deliver out of the core operating system. We depend on, uh, external packages, you know, for, right. for, for a handful of things, you know, and like, if you need a, a JDK or something like, or a C compiler or whatever, like the runtime for the C compiler comes from the C compiler, not necessarily like the, that is the GCC specific parts of the runtime or whatever, like I lay it on top.
0: Right. And so yeah. when we, I was trying to remember kind of the history of this thing, because I mean, we, I mean, and we can kind of get in and I think it, it, I know, Steve, this is definitely a lot of folks on the Hacker News thread were definitely asking not questions about the mechanics of the distribution, but more asking broader questions about Illumos and, and what we've done there. We can kind of talk about that. But um, Josh, do you want to talk about like just the, the mechanics of and kind of when we started with that and you know how, how you kind of iterated in terms because it is it's a it's a tough cold start program of uh, the problem to actually build something that's that's bootable
2: here.
1: Yeah, I started with I started looking at some of the bits of Open Indiana originally. Uh, I spent a month or two looking at that just because they had a, some aspects of their build system Made a lot of sense to me. And I feel like bits of it are like similar to some of the stuff that Oracle is still pushing out open source wise, which was interesting. Well, but in the of being a, another distribution uh, another, right.
0: of Illumos, of a Debian like distribution. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was, I mean where, that was the intent, right? The intent, this was originally
1: certainly spearheaded was, by the late Ian Murdoch. Um, right. It was, it was definitely meant to. Well, no, so like I mean open Solaris right was was like that, and then open Indiana is just like the gate closed, so people were trying to do something else and it it has many echoes, I think of the original, but it was meant to be the name, I think is an homage more than necessarily a direct continuance of, of oh, all of that Indiana. stuff but, interesting yeah, interesting. but there are many things that are similar about it certainly, and uh but it was and is really, I think like the people that there aren't that many people that work on it and they do as much as they can, but there's so much software in it and there always has been. Yeah. Like they have build recipes for everything, you know, like lots of many more things than we would care to ship. And I think that they struggle a bit to get around to bumping versions on things and security responses and stuff. And so I tried to make that work and didn't work out that well. So we, we ended up instead looking at OmniOS this is another distribution of Illumos. And they have an LTS release that gets supported for I think three or four years or something. You can see on their website they have one of those Gantt diagrams that overlaps the LTS release schedule and stuff. Um But uh It is a much smaller body of software, which is kind of a thing that I think Theo particularly at OmniTI had set in motion, right? Was like you know, we're just not going to have that many packages. And the OmniOS community has more packages now than they did then, but it's not like not like hundreds of times more. So it's still not that much software to look after. And they, they do an extremely good job of security response, uh, like timely responses to CVEs and getting, you know, like new versions of OpenSSH out or whatever it is. You know, that, um, so we are based Helios in August of... 2020, I guess, at this point, uh, four years ago ish. The, uh, the hot days of the pandemic. Aaron. Yeah, it was a rough time. Uh, we were, we basically, I took OmniOS, would have been the LTS 38 release uh, at the time, and started just <laughs> hitting it with a hammer until it was the <laughs> right. shape I wanted it to be. Still, it's uh, t- still it stopped screaming. Yes, Yeah. right. I mean, like... Because I, I did basically a complete build of many of the central chunks of just OmniOS, like as the OmniOS people would build it. Yeah. And I took those binaries and packages and doctored them significantly to have different versions and dependency structures a little bit here and there, and then turned that into something that would boot. And then I built on that in situ. Right, the because there's a, there's a real... Stuff. Right, there's a real bootstrapping bootstrapping problem in that, like, there
0: you, is. You really need to like have a build machine that's kind of prescribed, and so you really need to kind of build. You kind of have to hand build a a VM that can actually build this thing, and then you can actually.
1: uh it's it, you know, easier it, to was do that. Yeah,
0: Helios NVM repo, if I recall correctly, right? I mean, we made that open as well. Um.
1: Yeah. No? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's probably. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Um. And then so we uh. And then got going with. Um, actually, getting this thing where we could because we're trying to also and I actually, another thing I don't want to lose on this is because kind of in parallel around this time, um, you and Patrick in particular are doing a lot of work to uh, to get up support on Alumos, which was going to be we we knew it was going to be the, obviously uh, important for
1: us. The crate safari,
0: the crate safari.
1: So, we went uh, around the countryside, hatching things. <laughs>
0: I just so have like an a, image of you in a pith helmet on your crate safari. Is that uh, and, a little,
1: I mean, sometimes Patrick when you go into last, someone's open source repository, you do feel a little bit like you are shooting at things with a primitive right? weapon, something. About it's, kind of the
3: opposite. But yeah. it's kind of the opposite though, right? Cause you're bringing things to life. You're not killing them. So you're, you're sort of, yeah, like, that's positive. A That's a positive safari. message. I like that.
0: That's right. This, <laughs> this is going to be, will live safari. forever
1: in this zoo. I'm not, I'm, I'm really apprehending it. Um, right. Sometimes yeah, it, it feels like getting patches into crates though is a little bit more like reverse osmosis and it's not uh, when that not was the long pole, can, I think for, yeah. if I recall correctly. The long pole was getting making sure that, that crates that a lot needed, of letter writing campaigns, yes. <laughs> a lot of letter
0: writing please most my patch sure, not you. <laughs>
1: I right. hope this patch finds you well. So I, try to do, I know. And it can uh, be
0: always a challenge, right? Because we're obviously a smaller community and people are like, who the hell are you?
1: And, and yeah. But we the, try to do all of the work for them. And then, yes, as much as possible. It, right. It's just all you really do need to do is push the little green button, maybe, and then make a release is the other thing that then you have to like get both of those done. Um lots of people were very, very friendly. It's just that some people were extremely busy or, or honestly, like, were the maintainer of a popular crate and then disappeared from the face of the earth one way or another, like, right. regardless of why or how, uh, just uncontactable, like, for
2: years since
1: then. And it's been and, a challenge. Yeah. Were there some Sorry, that were
2: I'm, effectively abandoned, or you you couldn't oh, yeah. sort of hunt down? Yeah, the, like the, the time FS two. No, oh, the FS two crate is still that
1: that person just disappeared. So it, it was wander around the countryside and uh, okay, replace for, usage of that crate. Right. Oh
0: man. And you know, it kind of, it, it's kind of interesting because I, I I think, and Josh, just to your point, just so we don't get like, over, I mean, there were challenges obviously and that's what you focus on because everything else is pretty smooth. I mean, I felt like relative to some other at least language communities we've seen that people were broadly pretty receptive and Oh
1: yeah. I don't think I've ever had to fight anyone to get anything in, right? Like I, I don't think anyone's ever been like what fucking operating system is that that you're talking about? Get <laughs> right, would, like, right. get out. Like right. No one Which- certainly no one has created a second class tier of ports to put us in specifically, like or anything right. like that. None of that. Right. None of that has occurred.
0: Nonsense. And I do think that like, if you've got a project, whether it's in Rust or something else, and you got someone who is coming in from a small system and has done the work to support said small system, and is not looking for anything from you to support said small system. I do think it's kind of revealing of, of one's character about how you treat that system. And we have, we, we it's not, we've seen, there has been shabby treatment in the universe, probably not from the Rust ecosystem, which has been great. So I thought yeah. that that was, that was uplifting. Maybe I'm,
1: yeah, well, I think we did the right thing too by getting the upstream toolchain work done. Yes, yeah, yeah. First, right. rather than just attempting to carry patches on it ourselves, we we got the Rust project have for a long time now been building like the binary compiler that we use, the Rust C and Cargo and so on, and the Rust up binaries uh, first like uh, I mean I don't know second class I guess binaries or whatever built by the they don't run them. They just build them in a Docker container. They're cross-compiled or whatever, and then but then that's what we use to we use those official binaries, and which means that when people look at the platform matrix or whatever, they see that it's like you know it's, we're not like the second coming of BOS or something like right.
0: I love yeah. IQ the, First of all,
3: the platform matrix is actually uh, a. I plan on writing a blog post about this recently because I think it's interesting that the Rust project gives so many guarantees. You see tier two support, and you're like, "Oh, that must not be that great." But it's actually like far better support than most other platforms. Right. Anyway, don't want to derail oh. that. But that's also an interesting. No, no. no, in, no, no. In, in terms people, of getting smaller like, targets, it, like that's
1: you got tier two. You're going to keep climbing, and I'm like, ah, uh, no, it seems pretty good. It's well defined, <laughs> like the you know. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that, I mean, there's certain action and Steve, we've talked about this before about like, I have never developed software for Windows before implementing in Rust and, you know, things broadly worked. Um, and it's, it's a real testament to the abstractions that Rust has, which is, this is not every system. Like this is, there are plenty of other systems um, where you might say in a comment to note which platform some software is for. Go looking at you. We, th- this is any like non-specific complaint for the last 10 minutes has been about Go, by the way, just, to, just for a reveal <laughs> on that. I'm I just don't know
1: what you're talking about. I refuse to be drawn into any discussions about that. Yeah. Uh, maybe only from me then, fine. Some um, of us have to support our friends in the Go community who have been go, very our, good our good you, actually have been very good to us in the last few yes. years. So that's uh, a very, nothing but warm thank yous uh, to them.
0: Please disregard my colleague and his, I am so sorry, go community for my, my, anyway. um, so we getting rust up working was a big deal, getting the, going on the crate safari. Um, and, uh, because we knew we were going to use, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to use rust all over the place inside of oxide, but we also knew we we're going to use it just as, like the mechanics of building the image. Right.
3: Yes,
1: that was definitely, uh, a whole thing. Um, Each distribution of Illumos, like I suspect most distributions of Linux and and so on, uh, had their own sort of strung together process for taking packages from the packaging system and laying them down, you know, in a disk image somehow and making it bootable in a particular configuration. Um, And I wanted something that was definitely like... That did those things without being particularly like chiefly composed of bash scripts and stuff. Um, right. I wanted something a little more declarative, Girdle, but I also right. didn't want to use like Packer <laughs> because I just didn't. And uh, also, I feel like the thrust of things like Packer is like, well, I'm going to boot something in a machine and install it interactively a lot of the time oh, and then seal the thing up at the end. Right. Whereas I wanted to build uh, disk images that had never been booted,
0: and may and uh, may never boot, depending on the the quality of the software that's put in them. I
1: mean, certainly, didn't... right? Some images may never quite get off the ground, uh, <laughs> but the ones that do, it will be like the first time that they're executing. Uh, like they are pristine, essentially. Uh, I think that that's important uh, because, like, I think like any process, we like take a base image, boot it up, do a bunch of stuff in it while it's running and then, like, take a snapshot. You then have to have, like, a process for, like, cleaning out the identity of the machine that it decided on, less H-key stuff, like, all kinds of things, which kind of sucks. So I wanted, definitely wanted, like, a hermetic uh, offline build thing. So I spent Very a bunch of time on that. And, and, like, and we, that mechanism has grown to support both, or more than both, I guess, uh, the... You know the ISO install media that we that we have that, that boots a small RAM disk to, to do the install, and it, it also the produces um, pre-installed disk images for use in virtual machines because that's really yes, like you- uh, yeah, and and then also the RAM disk images that we use in the product. So,
0: so do you want to describe a little bit about the the kind of the model we have in the product for actually booting this because it is um, it's different than other systems and yeah, it, uh, it put constraints on Helios obviously for sure.
1: Yes. So we ditched all of the UEFI firmware that you would normally expect to find in a server in 2024. So there's no, <laughs> there's no like additional... But Josh, fir- Josh what are the
0: vulnerabilities? Can I get, to, can I have I, the vulnerabilities
1: at least? I don't know if we have time. The, uh, But the, we ditched all of that stuff, right? So, so the, the first instruction that the so the, the the AMD CPU turns on. It goes into the is it the PSP, the little management, the, the smaller CPU inside the big CPU that's like responsible for turning on the big CPU. Does the DRAM training and then vectors the CPU towards our code that lives in NOR flash, right? It's it's NOR flash. It's the little chip, the thirty two right. meg thing. Yeah. And then we load the, uh, a small image out of that, which would ordinarily contain the BIOS or the UE5 firmware in, in, a, in a server. And that, that less than 32 megabytes of binary stuff has to get the rest of the computer started. And so we actually put... So like, you know, if you think about how a Linux distribution usually boots, I think these days, most of the time it's a kernel and an init, initial RAM disk image, like a little blob of kernel modules and configuration and stuff that that has to select so like the, the bootloader will load those two things into memory and jump into them. We have a similar construct, ultimately. We have the, a copy of the kernel and uh, 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 effectively a, a CPIO archive, but like basically a RAM disk of, of sorts with a very small subset of things required to get the whole system like bootstrapped. All smushed together into into that 32 meg or less image with some compression and stuff, and then a very small bootloader, uh, Foible, phbl. It's written in Rust that sits on the front and provides the very first instructions, jumps into, locates and jumps into the, into the illumos kernel, basically the Unix file, and then that Unix file looks uh, that the, the program text in that binary uh, locates the cpi archive in ram and it's able to get like the disk driver and the pci subsystem drivers and the zfs kernel module and a bunch of other stuff uh loaded and then then we switch on you know pcie and locate the NVMe device uh it's an m2 form factor device that sits inside the system and contains the ram disk image and we didn't want to go backwards and forwards on initialization, a whole bunch. So we do have yes. to put a fair amount of the operating system into the flash ROM thing. Yeah, like so the P- these- PCIe stuff particularly is like not reversible, I think, right, so. Well, like and if- I think, we, and that was just a big kind
0: of principle that we had is that we wanted, and, and, and other systems don't do it this
1: way. And right. we, for, for reasons that are, that are not invalid, um, yeah, but I mean, part the, of it's Conway's law, right? Like you get the the totally. system the system vendor provides firmware up to a contract an interface contract point, right? Where it's like, which is like what UEFI is, and then you, the operating system vendor, provide a UEFI compliant application that the firmware will is willing to load into RAM and, and kick off. And there's a whole bunch of stuff then in that contract, both. Explicit and sometimes implied that initialization has to have been done in a particular way beforehand. And some of it is not always that great or that crisp or that reliably done. And so we do all of that stuff ourselves in one body of software. So it's rather than like a f- firmware bootloader thing made by Group A and an operating system made by Group B, we just have Group A and they made. The operating system kernel do the things that the firmware would have to have otherwise done in the in the old model. That's right. And we ship it and, as one thing. Well,
0: yeah. and then and then in, importantly, like we are not seeking to. So, in a traditional UEFI world, you've got this operating system that runs before anything does. This this platform layer that makes available UEFI as an abstraction. Yeah, right. This platform initialization layer, and then it boots often a bootloader that then it does some things to go yes. find what you want to load. And then it pretends that the system is freshly reset and boots an actual operating system. And we, it, again, understandable why you want it, Conway's law and other things, why you'd want to have a bootloader in there, but we actually know what we want to boot. We want to boot Helios. So we actually I, don't want any of that stuff. We want to go straight from the PSP. We want to boot the operating system and boot it all the way up and not have to go backwards at all and not have to... And so the the, the challenge of that, and there's a question in the chat of like, well, wait a minute, could you, uh, could you actually take an absolutely minimal read-only support for ZFS and load the
1: the, the
0: kernel? It's like, yes, we can. You um,
1: could, you could um, right. You could certainly go and implement like a ZFS, a read-only ZFS. Like, so our, in, in the Illumos OS itself on a PC, the bootloader has a second implementation of ZFS in it, like a, a small read-only one that is able to locate the kernel and the boot archive out of a ZFS pool on the disk that the bootloader is on using the firmware's disk drivers, uh, you know, like BIOS or, or UEFI to, to read blocks out of the disk. And it has just enough code in it to parse the disk structures without like needing to write to the disk. It's all read-only. And, that's how that works. But that requires that you can get to the disk, which is right. one of the real, the real chicken and egg problems we had, right? Is the, the disk in the system we were able to build, the disk is a PCI device, an NVMe device. And in order to get to the disk to get the large quantity of data that you would need for the pool, the, the RAM disk image, uh, you would need to turn on the PCI stuff. You'd need to you know, do any attestation you were hoping to do of firmware blobs that are in the PCI path. Like there's all kinds of work that you need to do. That often you can't undo and let go of, and have the operating system then do it again, because uh, some of these like registers you set them or whatever, and the only way to get them back to the power on state is by powering the like power cycling the thing, which obviously is somewhat counterproductive when you're trying to get it to turn on. But the which is different from the PC world where where the bootloader, well the firmware makes promises to the bootloader about like well look look I'm going to do enough PCI that you can see all the PCI devices. And they're gonna be turned on, they're gonna be left in some state. You know, bus mastering is probably turned on, all kinds of things. I've, maybe I've configured the IOMU or maybe I've turned it off or something. Like, you know, good luck, here it is. <laughs> right. you, you can assume some of those things have been done correctly. You can go and redo bits and pieces sometimes, but like, yeah. if you are hoping to attest the firmware of all the PCI devices before you allowed them to talk to main memory, like, that's not a thing necessarily that you can do. Like th- there'll be a gap right between when the firmware maybe turns things on and when your operating system gets in and is able to like shut it off. Which right. It's not great. So to close all those gaps, we, we decided just... to do initialization just once. And right. because some bits are not reversible, we have to do them just once in the, in the nor flash and then, Eventually, we get to the disk, but but we, we effectively like the the files that go in the CPI archive that are in the NOR flash are just a cache, basically of like or, or a copy of of a small subset of files that are also in the pool, so that we can load them before we can get to the pool. Basically, is, is a good way to think about it.
0: And I mean, the, because we are like space constrained there, right? Uh, yes. Thirty-two megs, um, which is a lot for Hubris, but not as much for Illumos. <laughs> the, the, right. Although,
1: then, honestly, like we're only using about eight
0: meg. I know. I noticed that. That's gotten Andy's done a great job. I think because has Andy been slimming that down? That's well, got it was a already. One, it?
1: it was already eight meg. <laughs> like oh, the, sorry. I'm sorry. Because the it's all right. I did that bit. All but, right, I'm sorry. Um, and and I you know we I think Dan wrote the compressor or whatever, right? Like the pinprick prick thing. Uh but but that is compressed. it's like a CPI archive that we then compress with some kind of deflate thing that Foible is willing to unpack. Uh so it's like bigger before that, but but it is compressed, it's only about eight and a half megabytes, I think. And I don't expect it to grow a whole lot because like, you know, if we if we added an you know, like consider opte is a relatively big kernel module right
0: opte being the
1: the oxide the the uh, packet transformation transformation engine engine that we use as part of our software networking thing right software networking right uh so like imagine if we added another feature like that but it wasn't in the boot path it was like it was a kernel module but we didn't need it to get to the disk we wouldn't put it in the in the CPI archive so like the rom wouldn't get bigger just because we had another kernel module right it, it, it's not and, and so
0: you so this is a very kind of custom thing that we've got where we are saying we are kind of uh bifurcating the kernel modules about you this kernel module needs to be in that the the nor flash and this yeah. other one is actually I mean
1: in particular the, it's a pretty specific allow list of specific right. modules that that we determined were required before root, the root file system was mounted in order to get it mounted. Right. And so, uh,
0: and then we um, um, we also don't actually execute user level processes from there, if I recall correctly.
1: That's true. We don't create any processes until, root, until way after root is mounted. So like, this is all in kernel stuff.
0: Which I, I mean, I think it was... I don't know. I thought that was a great discovery that we could actually do all of this inside of the, the, the constraints and Yeah. That's part of be- why it's so small because
1: like when we were trying, we, we did have a swing at putting a small user land in there and it did, it was bigger certainly I think than the eight meg in the, in the end. Cause it like, obviously it's like all the kernel stuff that you need and some additional user space programs and libraries and like a lot of our programs and libraries are sort of built with the expectation that they're all going to be installed and the disk is not that tight. So like, uh, you know, also like our startup process is really, um, one of my goals was certainly not to like change it all necessarily if we could avoid it. Right. from, From the way that it works on a PC. Like there are things to chuck out that definitely like are counterproductive things, but there are so many parts of it that are just like inconsequential. Like, it doesn't matter that they work the way that they do, even if it's not the way that people would have necessarily picked if they'd done it from scratch. Like, it's already been done and it works. So if we can just be... Like, if we can be different where it makes sense and then get to the I, point where, we, where we're not different, then I think it's... Just from a maintenance perspective, it's better for everybody. And so, like, on a, on a PC, when you reboot... We, cre- we recreate this CPO archive right? As, a, as it is a cache of things. We just like, get all the kernel modules on, that you happen to have installed on the assumption that some of them will be needed to boot. And that thing can be 40, 50, 60 megs, right? which is fine when it's on the disk. Uh, just wouldn't fit in the NorFlash, so we had to pare it down. Um, but but we, we produce at build time, the archive that you would normally produce on reboot after a software update where you've added some kernel modules or updated something, but it is otherwise extremely similar,
0: yeah. Interesting, and then so the artifacts coming, and because you also want to allow
1: Helios to run on non oxide hardware, right? Yes, I thought that it was very important that we kept providing good ways to do that because as much as I, I like the hardware that we have built, um. People are going to want to do things on random piles of desktops or like, you know, we want to be able to run it on commodity servers that are co-located in the data center. Uh, You know, like, you know, if we, if we establish a point of presence somewhere far away and we don't want to put a whole oxide rack there, for instance, like we might just put two servers somewhere, right? And at least right now we don't have a product that fits that bill. So we have to do that on commodity stuff. And I think that that would be true for quite some time.
0: I think it's always going to be true, right? Because we at least, because we also run Helios on the manufacturing stations. We do. Illumos on the desktop 2024. You betcha. You heard it here first. There yeah. you go. Give, give Hacker News something, really get their, really get stuck in their craw. There you um, go. We, we got to get, a, a, I know we talked about this on our manufacturing episode, Adam, but, um, and I know, I think you used the image of that, right? With the, with Josh. Oh, the. the yeah. Yeah,
2: Josh's uh,
0: station, yeah. Um, but so that thing is, and so that's running on some, I mean, ironically, I mean, that's running on the kind of commodity machines we're trying to the replace. The shittiest Dell. The shittiest Dell. <laughs> desktop from
1: 2000. One of our core values is uh, thriftiness. Shitty hardware.
2: Oh, yeah, thriftiness,
1: uh, right, right. right. Which rhymes exactly with shitty hardware, I guess. Right. <laughs> and, so there I, like, also, because we were trying to get this stood up in the pandemic, right? So there was, right. like, we were in the middle of the, I mean, we were having oh, oxide God. hardware supply challenges, oh, right? But, but, like, separate from those supply ch- chain challenges, I couldn't buy, like, desktops <laughs> in well, the, there was the in, there the, there in was the form factor and price range that I wanted to buy. So I ended up, I found that, like, there, there was this place in Arizona that would do off-lease, like, Dell, Optiplex i don't know 700 to 900 to ninety twenty something like that like from about 2014 to, to 15 about that era for like 100 bucks shipped and i believe and you they had hundreds that, of them
0: that, that, <laughs> like, that some have rev f- firmware and some have downrev firmware and i believe you discovered yeah. that the hard way if i recall correctly
1: yeah there was some differences in the way the usb ports were enumerated which is a bit sad but the but the they're all same revs now <laughs> Which right, right, yeah. Well, we I, did, it, I mean, there was some down rev when, for a while, and then back to up rev because we fixed the driver. That the and yeah, I I did uh, think it was. I mean,
0: because you're getting Helios to run on these commodity servers and commodity machines, and we're also like there are machines that you bought from some aggregator in Arizona for a hundred bucks. So they're like
2: for, not stolen. I want to emphasize that.
1: Yeah. From an air conditioned rubbish bin, basically. I mean, right.
0: Yeah. Not stolen because it's like, it wouldn't be worth anyone's time to steal them. <laughs> um, no. So like the, right. you would literally steal anything else around them.
1: Before they, stealing honestly, them. like if you were a business and you had a thousand of these things on a pallet, it's like actually, at some point, expensive to dispose of that many of them. So, like, stealing was, them would be a, a, a benefit from a tax perspective. Like,
2: yeah. Josh, am I remember correctly that we were a little bit constrained on the on the three by four monitor that you had selected, or am I making that up? Constrained in what sense? Like, we couldn't we couldn't obtain them.
1: Oh no, we could. That was fine. Okay, it was like there are only no no one makes them anymore. I guess it was, I think the, the constraining you're thinking about is I ran out of them because we used them all. Ah, because <laughs> like yeah. I, I bought off lease uh Dell like ultra ultra sharp. I think they're like 1907, 1908 FP panels. It, it also is, from the same era, they're all like contemporary uh, with to, one to another.
0: Create the, to create the future of hardware, we must consume the past. We must do. We must consume your e waste
1: and actually, honestly, it- like the. Like the first monitor that I bought with my own money was one of those.
2: So, like, so, so, it's like, so a, you bought it for the nostalgic factor to, yeah. To no, I'm like sitting in front
1: of this thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's reminds me of, you know, being, uh, not as old as I am now.
0: Wait, you actually can watch, is this like Citizen Kane for TTYs? What is this? This is like, <laughs> it,
1: it, uh, don't get that reference, but, the uh, you know, yeah. Um,
0: so yeah. the, but you, the, you were, and in particular, though, you were having to deal with so much bias and
1: BMC and UEFI pain. When you say bias, you mean yes. bias. He, he's he's Bios. not referring okay. oh. to his
0: unconscious oh. bias. No, Bios. good. Very good. I am All referring right. to bias pain. But there were just so many times where you're just like in this excruciating pain. I'm like, you know what, Josh, you know what you need to do? We need to start a computer company. It's the yeah. like, I, yes, I don't. I'm
1: trying I'm to get at, I'm working yes. at it. I'm working at it right <laughs> now. Yeah, like we I have to, like through be the more past committed in to it. Future.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, it is yeah. extremely handy that that we can have Helios and the same kind of uh, the, the same distribution mechanism can create a a, a a package effectively that can be dropped onto a gimbal under our, our compute sled. Then it can yeah. also be dropped. We can put that on a server. We can put that on a
1: on our manufacturing stations. We, I mean, it, it's One, got a another lot of thing that I. Was- keen to get done too is that I want to run the same binaries on all of those things as well. I'm not particularly interested in rebuilding the software for every different shape. So we do actually, we have like a central packaging repository that contains like the current set of OS packages, you know, and, and, and all the adjunct stuff that we layer on top like shells and, you know, like Tmux and Git and all the other crap that you need to make a usable Unix computer. And then we our image process is you know a list of packages from that um from that core repository generally speaking and plus some oxide specific applications like our control plane for the for the production image but for you know workstations and manufacturing stations different sets of packages overlaid and then some like a finalization step where we maybe remove a bunch of things that we, the, the, though they are in the package, they are not necessary and they make the image too big or something like that. So there's some like a like an additive packaging step and then a, a um the other word subtractive subtractive that's the one <laughs> subtractive uh, tr- like a trimming step where we we remove or, or and then and then like a final like customization thing where if we want to put pre bake some specific config files into the image that are different from the the ones that you find in the base os repository um but the same you know the same kernel and libc like the same copy of grep or whatever sits on the production system and you know in in, uh virtual machines in aws and on people's workstation desktops that they use to develop the software and you know whatever so I think because then, right. you know, you can take a core yeah. file or whatever from any of those things and, like, you'd definitely be experiencing the same... You you're reproducing the same uh, issue or whatever in different contexts. It just it's. I think it's better to have less different specific binaries than more of them floating around, generally. Uh, totally. Well, and especially
0: as you've got, you know, one is developing software that is kind of interacting with the surround. It's like you don't right. want... It's important that the thing that you're actually testing on is the thing that actually is going to be
1: deployed. Um, right. And our, our Solaris heritage comes from a time when the operating system was proprietary. So there's a lot of, like, they too wanted everybody to be using the same binaries for things. But then in order to make them flexible, it's very modular and configurable in many cases, where uh, sometimes software that didn't start out proprietary, I feel like, you know, the, like, it's like, well, you want it to be different. You should, you know, enable this ifdef or something, you know, and, and build it again. Like, or build it against a different set of libraries or whatever. Whereas we have a lot of uh, dy- dynamic uh, linking and modules and plugins and configurable stuff. So it's been pretty easy to make that happen in reality. It's been good. Um, there was a question in the chat about what uh, packaging,
0: what, what does the package repository run? What is the actual substrate you use there how do you actually deliver the it The packaging
1: mechanism? system oh. is called uh ips the image packaging system and uh which was a artifact of the open solaris era at, at sun which and they i believe they also use it to deliver oracle solaris 11 today but uh the it is a pretty late entrant to the packaging world because you think yes. about like the, yes. the other stuff like um, RPM and yum, and de- yeah, depackage de- and apt like had all been around for quite a long time when, IPS had rolled out in you know two thousand what five ish six ish somewhere around there probably uh, yeah somewhere around Maybe there and little, it would yeah
0: it, it would, I think it, it's this kind of like funny consequence because it, on the one hand because say the now at that time you're doing with like OpenSolaris and Solaris before that. Right. Um, because that it did include everything, there was so much software that was already included, it, yes, there wasn't it, it, the, it, you could actually have a usable system without kind of solving the packaging problem, and one of the kind of the interesting consequences of Linux only defining a kernel is that actually everyone really needed to solve the packaging problem, and you got some very good kind of competition in these different packaging ecosystems, and I think that would it really because I mean, there was indisputably packaging was very far ahead on linux based systems than on oh, yeah. any than any other kind of system circa early 2000s so ips is coming i mean the is i mean the
1: sun the the and that is actually svr4 packaging svr4 packaging no, is just no awesome. it's yeah like it's totally just divorced from the svr4 stuff that came before it
2: which is right the great, ips yeah yeah yeah, yeah right the, the, I, but but the in terms of like packages, e- yeah, the Solaris packages like before IPS were total trash, such trash. I remember in particular yes. the the bug I guess that we fixed where yes. you couldn't rm minus rf slash was a consequence of like if you ran the packaging script just like and didn't specify certain things, it would start chewing away on all of your data trying to delete everything. Like it, it was. These were yeah. Not great well,
1: so tools. that the thing that you're talking about, right, is is a part of the problem with the classic approach to packaging that IPS did away with. To uh, mixed reactions, I guess. I, I am hugely in favor of it, but I understand that it is a change that it represents like a change to the way people have to think about packaging. Uh, but the SPR for packaging and and I, th- I assume like dpackage and 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 RPM and stuff like allow you to like lay down a bunch of files but then like maybe you need to do something after that like right you know run some program to add a user or a group or something or reconfigure something or ch- you know change something other than just a flat file that you happen to be delivering in order to make the thing usable and so the, you know you, you would have these post install scripts oh, ultimately God. delivered yeah. in the package but in they the had package, to be able yeah. to run in several different contexts yeah. one of which was on the live system another one of which is like not on the live system. In, you know, like assembling an alternate root or whatever, like we would do during an image creation, right? Right. Like I'm. I actually want to create a system over here in a directory. Please don't touch the running system. Uh, but like you've got root <laughs> in the post install script. Good luck, like preventing them from doing the wrong thing and definitely like removing files altering shit in the, you know, in slash instead of slash A or wherever the image happened to be mounted, like uh, very common with post and source yeah, script. Is so for, IPS, yeah. is, IPS is like, no, I will not allow them in the house. Uh, instead, we will provide a number of uh, more like declarative actions. So like, oh, you need a user account with this name and this user ID, we'll do that for you. Just tell us what it is. Right and groups and profiles and role-based access control and driver definitions was another classic one, right? If you you had a package with a driver in it, you needed to go and run, add DRV and a bunch of other stuff. Like, no, we will do that for you. Give us the metadata. And, you know, there are like, I don't know, five or 10 or 15, things like that. Basically, they did a survey, I think, of all of the common post-install scripts they could find and made declarative versions of all the things that they were doing that were reasonable and then banned the idea of post-install scripts altogether. If you need to have behavior that occurs, you need to deliver a service that runs on the system. And then that service is just like any other service, right? It runs in exactly one context, which is once the system is booted at the appropriate point in startup with the appropriate set of privileges and stuff. So that's the, that as a core, I feel like that's the core value prop ips really that and its strong interaction with boot archives and stuff pretty good like not boot, boot environments like the snapshot right stuff yeah, like be being able be to Adam, yeah. like if you need to inst- update the kernel or, or something then we will make a clone effectively of the current zfs data set the system is booted from and uh alter the clone and then you reboot into it rather than doctor the files in place and hopefully you don't get interrupted halfway through and the system is unbootable or whatever and that's been pretty good I feel like updates are a lot it, you can just tell someone to update and not expect that their computer will break necessarily it's
2: it, been pretty it, good
1: it, it is
0: been pretty good I gotta say because I have actually I mean maybe this is a little bit ridiculous but because that work got started Adam when you and I headed off to Fishworks yeah so we, we were at Sun but we were not we were kind of the doing building an appliance doing our own thing and then and then it was a joint where i was using package source and there are a lot of you know there are a lot of advantages of package source too but i just i had not really used ips before helios josh and yeah it's like i had to you know we we had a big flag day where build systems all had to be upgraded and that's the kind of thing where you're like okay oh god Know, like i can basically right. this, is, this is more or less i'll be lucky if this only nukes my day this is gonna right. be i guess we're and, spending march doing that then. right like Mar- yeah. march
1: is update the build server month and it right. was
0: re- it was super smooth it was great i feel like we, like, we wow, got that done really, in
1: a couple of days and really like the hardest problem was remembering to do the handful of things that people don't normally update or use at all uh yeah i mean it was very
0: tight and i I, when i've had that to update that stuff and it was just it was great i mean it was really it
1: was a great user experience um and i think critically also like we we don't use it on this on the product system yes like we use this on workstations and, and manufacturing line systems things that need things that are like treated as classic immutable sorry classic like mutable install to disk Unix systems. Yes. And then for the product, we use IPS as a build time step, just to assemble the RAM disk. And then the RAM disk is like a sealed entity. Every time you boot it, it's the same, which, is, which has other good properties for the, the actual oxide sled as a sort of an appliance.
0: Yeah, when I think it just in general, because I know this is definitely a point of confusion in the Hacker News comments today, that the uh, I, Helios itself is not
1: user visible in the Oxide rack. It is an implementation right. detail of the rack. And it's yeah. really not meant for users, to be honest. Like even even though we have open sourced it because we want people to be able to uh, replicate what we've done. You know, we want to give people the, um, the open source promise of like, you know, you buy this bunch of hardware and you get uh, upset at Oxide in the future, like, well, you can still have the software, like it's out there. Go support it yourself. Like, I mean, that, you know, that's the, I feel like that's the core promise of open source ultimately from a business perspective. Like, but the, oh, what was I saying?
0: We, I, but we, yeah, we're not, in fact, we, we've opened it, but yeah, I mean, we've all oh, right, it, but it's
1: not, it's not, it's not I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't think of it as, being, we're not super interested in making it a good Unix distribution for people to install on computers and use for web servers and stuff. Like,
0: if you want that, a manufacturing station, if you're a manufacturing
1: rush. station,
2: get in
0: touch. <laughs> yes, if you, we do support <laughs> manufacturing stations and build servers. We do. They have a I strong. I mean, if union, you have a so. four
2: by three monitor, I can't emphasize this enough. If, yeah, if you, you actually will we'll work on, I know. you know? You know the giant fucking clock
1: thing that sits in the corner is also the. Is, is like, that? That's right.: I did not know that. That's a lumos on the, on the, the wall. A lumos the is most clock.
2: expensive bedside clock at: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's one great. of those
1: Someone it's, at some point had one of those Dell the- monitors that's like eight feet wide, five units wide instead of three <laughs> units wide or whatever, and like it sat on the desk for a long time, and then someone mounted it on the wall. And it was never clear to me what it was on the wall for. But in the end, it's like, actually, it's a really good place to put a clock. We don't have a it clock. A, I can never tell what time it is it in the, the office. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, we're
1: going to have to. Uh, there's a little RAM disk booted, uh, like a, it's, it's a Dell Wise 3040 thin client terminal that the SD card doesn't work in. But I boot it from a RAM disk on a USB stick or something. And then it just runs a Rust program that poops all over the frame buffer at the time.
0: That is great. We have our Helios and Rust powered clock in the office. Yeah. The, the world's weirdest clock. And probably and like <laughs> and like not exactly I mean only only uh thrifty for us because the monitor was otherwise not going to be
1: used, but and it was already um, on the wall, so it's like it's already on the wall. Right. It'd yeah, take you it it more was, time to get it down than to, to put a clock on <laughs> right. it. So that's yeah.
0: The clock is is very useful. Uh, I I'll guess. Like it. It, yeah. It's a very
1: it's a very large digital clock, which has been not. Look at Helios and you'd like to use it for something in production. It is, in many respects, extremely similar to OmniOS LTS, the latest LTS release. So like OmniOS LTS is probably what I would recommend. Certainly we use OmniOS LTS to deliver like web-facing things, you know, uh, because their package set is slightly larger. And um, sometimes it's good to not have to look after the distribution that you use for critical things. (laughs) Right <laughs> well, it, Yeah. because you're busy looking after distribution. Other people are using for critical things like the right,
0: know. right. Uh, and so, it, in terms of these kind of, or, so I mean, leveraging IPS, um, leveraging uh, OmniOS for sure. Uh, yeah, leveraging um, Illumos, Illumos upstream. I do think that when um, I just on the Illumos point, we can we can talk in more depth if people are curious. But um, I, I do think that that one thing I did want to call out is in addition to us like really focusing on getting making sure rust up work there um i i think the, the other thing that we learned the hard way from the uh smart os days um which is another uh downstream effectively distro of Illumos, uh we tried to upstream things but we weren't necessarily fanatical about it and it right. it, it created it's boy if you're not fanatical about it it really accumulates quickly <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's like a snowball, right? Like it is. if you're not melting it, it just keeps getting bigger and like it accretes. It, it and, accretes. And, 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 and
0: the second you get like one significant thing, and we had a couple of these, Patrick, I was like, I think a couple of these kind of come to mind. We had a couple of things that we had decided like, ah, eh, we're not going to upstream this. It's like, it's just for a variety of reasons that were not like necessarily good. It was more like, this is just not ready to be upstreamed or it's just, or it's not it sufficiently general or it's not sufficiently general you know. it's really kind of specific to us and and if if these things are like are creating a lot of diff traffic it just becomes really really easy for the stuff to accrete and so one thing that we've really tried to to be uh strict about is getting stuff we get a lot of stuff goes upstream like just flat out first um yeah and we we are um st- so we I know patrick
1: Patrick, is, uh, you guys push up a lo- almost all of the Beehive Delta straight up, right? I mean, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, all, all, all of that goes straight in. There's, it never touches St. Louis first. Right. So we actually pull it back into our f- downstream in. fork yeah. when we merge everything that's in, in the upstream fork each you know day or week or whatever, however often we do that. Well, and
0: I, I, I also think, which is also important, is that then we also, in part, because we are going upstream first, like we stay really, really current,
3: it's, and
0: uh it, the <laughs> it's just Adam, so much I, easier. <laughs> oh my God! Well, but Adam, you and I lived this at Ishworks, where at the time, so we are banking an appliance. I mean, not not wholly dissimilar to what we're doing at Oxide, making an appliance based on Solaris, and it and but not doing it, you know, doing as well in many different dimensions. But one of the, th- there's this any more, there's much more churn in the operating system. And Adam, do you remember syncing up? I mean, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And we got broken all the time. And we yeah. would get broken really, really badly by upstream in How ways. In particular,
2: did you merge? Uh, well, as this was frequently like, as possible.
0: I don't know. Well, no, like well, no but this was like this terrible balancing act because, you know, yeah. of course, right. Yeah. It's like, it's like very painful. So I don't want like, how often do I want to go to the dentist? Like, I don't know, not every day. Uh, yeah. you know, and so, but then you, so of course, great. It's like, you are deferring that pain. And then when you do go to sync up, I remember we had a, another piece of software that was very much developed at cross purposes to ours. And uh, it just deleted all of our software. So uh, <laughs> the it, it deleted all of, in particular, more concretely, it deleted all of our SMF manifests. So uh, it was just like, you have no services and you're like, I, I but it, I did because have it, it, because it <laughs> didn't recognize them. It's like I don't know who this is. I'm deleting it. And we're like, but hi. It's like we're a user of the system and it was and I just feel like there were so many of those Adam where it would just take. I mean, it would take a I mean, the fact that I can still remember build 135. Uh build 135 <laughs> was, was was a you know, I, okay, the, 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 Am I? Am my I, I know I'm not in a safe space. I just remember I remember the day I was debugging that and just being like so God, it was so frustrating, and it's just really, really frustrating. Getting broken by upstream is something that like really chips away at your soul because it feels like there's just this giant leak at the bottom of the bucket, and it feels very—you know what I mean? Maybe this is just me. It feels very despairing to to be broken by upstream um, I think because you're part,
1: like, like part of it's like you're being broken by things that you don't really have particularly intimate knowledge of. And it's like I just this was a thing that worked yesterday. And that's, right. that's exactly yeah, some what case, was the what was the value or in some in some of and need right? for it? Yeah,
2: exactly. Right.
1: And yeah. it's like
2: it's, and it's awesome like of course and... the
1: value was like well they were trying to you know make it better or do something you know but but like but that's not how it feels on the receiving exactly how end. It feels. <laughs> like, yeah. Well,
0: and I also feel that like when you have a large number of people developing a body of software, you know, people think that they're adding value when they're not always bluntly, or like, or the worst thing is like no no. no. This is the phase one of the project where we just break everything. The 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 gloriousness happens in phase five, which of course you never get to phase five because like you've been right. defunded before then. So it's like, well, this is great. We just have like
1: but well, that well, was that's, fun. We got the reason. That's a balancing act that we face with the Lumos all the time, right? People are like, Couldn't you just make it easier for me to like thrust my change into the repository? Like, I just want to put it in there so that people can you know, people everybody can have it and they can see how it is. It's like, right, but if they see how it is and it's not good, that's going to make oh, everybody really right. sad. So right. like, but like we want to encourage people to have, you know, room to explore. And so it's just, like, it's a hard problem because it, it is the operating problem. system. And sometimes it's the file system, right? It's like the most crucial thing at the bottom of the stack that just like, can't be broken really or everything's like screwed up. And so it's hard sometimes you're like, you gotta tell people, You know, like, I want to take the thing that you've made, but it's not quite ready yet. We need to test it more or something. Or you need a little more review, or we need to, you know, make it slightly more robust or slightly more backwards compatible or something so that people don't notice when it goes in. Because that's ultimately what you want with operating system evolution, I think. You want it to do everything you did yesterday and to do marvelous new things in the future, but you don't want anyone to notice the transition between those. Well, and you also really want people to be
0: able to run the latest all the time and you want yes. to ha- people need to be fearless about running the latest because they know that like latest it's a, my life only gets better. And yeah, and this is, this is what, you know, ba- and this is kind of very deep roots for us because this goes back to um, some very dark days for, for sun um, when this was not necessarily the case. And it's what our, our, former colleague Jeff Bonwick coined as the, the FCS or the rather the quality death spiral when the, when you start to quality begins to slip. And as a result, people are like, "Ah, I'm not going to run the latest because it burned me last time. It's like, well, now there are many fewer people running latest and that, that kind of that long tail of really tough problems are, it's going to get less exposure. It's going to get exposure later. And now the quality of the, the quality actually begins to degrade and, this idea the, of like F- FCS quality all the time. You may also hear first customer ship. FCS right. quality all the time is the way we avoid the quality death spiral. So very very important to us.
1: I think the version of that, like the the problem that we have in the open source world, having a number of downstreams. Right, like like we have Illumos up at the top, and then we have our, our our you know our Helios downstream, and then there are a number of storage vendors that don't talk that much about what they do, but they have downstream forks of the. Of the operating system and they're often really not current at all and you know like they experience this pain all the time right it's like the right it's like you, know, you gotta merge upstream changes into your downstream every day really like as soon as they happen ideally or close to that right like you know weekly whatever it is but certainly not like every quarter that's too that's too infrequent because you're not going to notice when someone does something that doesn't work for you for starters You want to notice as soon as possible after someone that does something that they thought was good and everybody thought was good and doesn't work for you, you need to be able to sing out like ASAP. Because for starters, if we have to back it out, we only want to revert things like that just went in. So like if it goes (laughs) in and you don't notice it's completely broken for you for six or seven months, it's really hard to justify reverting it at that point. So like then it's like, well, then we have to fix it but now you've got to debug it because you're the only person for whom it's not working. And, you know, like also your appliance is proprietary or whatever. So like my advice to everybody, anyone doing anything like this uh, is uh, merge as soon as possible upstream changes as they arrive. And and then that also makes it easier for you to take your changes to the operating system downstream that you have made and send them upstream because the delta between the thing you're working on and the thing up there is small. And, like, we have a whole tree of hardware support in St. Louis, the U- the UTS Oxide stuff, like the Oxide machine-specific bits of the kernel, uh, which we intend to upstream. Like, we're not upstreaming it now because it's still in flux, but, like, it's in the public repository. Like, we don't have a secret repository where we work on it and, like, we occasionally expose it to the public. We just push to github basically you know everybody can see things as they're being worked on and we are developing it in such a way that when it goes upstream we don't have to fight with anybody because it's like in its own directory tree alongside right we're not going to have to like convince people to stop doing acpi altogether in order to ourselves not use acpi uh for instance things like that so it's all aimed. It's all aimed at being one code base that everybody can use, and that we don't have to maintain patches and delta and
2: stuff because that really sucks. Uh, Did we, yeah. Yep. Do we already explain what St. Louis
0: is? Yeah, I was going to say, Adam, thank you. Probably not. I, I think we, you, we we spoke past a little bit. Yeah. Do you want to explain St. Louis, Josh?
1: I, you know, I you should to for this question: it's an arch. It's a I It's gather a Is what it says it's, in, yeah, the, it's a new arch. in the in the readme, which stands for which is really arc. Yes, right. It's a, architecture. It, it's, a,
0: it's a new architecture. So, right. the, Historically, there the, you have the, the ISA, the instruction set architecture, and then you've got the mm-hmm. machine architecture, and these mm-hmm. are, and,
1: for and x86, then sometimes you have platform specific bits as well. But that's don't know, right. PCs doesn't tend don't to have many of those differences.
0: And for x86, there was one, effectively one machine architecture, ID6 PC, right, and. I mean, it it says it right. And on really, the, one, and yeah, it, it is a PC. I mean, it's basically the personal computer architecture is what that was effectively enshrining. And right. in or, in order, there's a bunch of stuff there we just don't need in oxide. And the way we did that is by having a new oxide architecture in this St. Louis branch of Illumos. So, right, Keith, um, one of
1: our engineers took took a copy of the i86 PC stuff, I believe. And and put it alongside and called it oxide, and then started deleting things. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, and just started ripping things out. And so we've got, um,
0: and that way we you can have multiple architectures kind of side by side.
1: So um, right, and, lots um, of common code though, like PCI is PCI sure. pretty much wherever yep. you come from, you know, things like that. Um, want to leverage as much common code as we can. So the
0: the um that's been very important. I would also say that the I, part of what I actually love about this, Josh, is that it has um, really forced us, not that we weren't doing this before, but really uh, it's very important that we're able to contribute to upstream Illumos. So there's been a lot of effort on on making that easy. And uh, the docs on this, because I think Brian Horseman allen in the chat dropped the links earlier, but the would drop them again. But the links for contributing to the docs for contributing to Illumos are really good.
1: <laughs> and... Um, Some of that stuff was like between the tail end of the uh samsung trauma (laughs) right and like there were like three or four months between then and and when, when when i started here at oxide and i did a fair amount of like html work on on the front page thing just trying to make it look like it Like, like, like we've done anything on it in the last decade. Uh, and there are links on like illumos.org. The front page has links to, you know, lots of different pieces of documentation that we have that are, that are not like there's lots of chunks sort of here and there. And, and like Robert spent a lot of time on the developer's guide stuff. And, uh, I did some of the with Brian Horseman Allen and a few other people, I think. I can't, uh, we, we did, uh, the, illumus.org slash docs stuff where we talk about like the project structure and you know like who's who's responsible for things and how to contribute and the garrett guide and a bunch of other stuff so trying to and you know if any people uh want to contribute and they they find that something is missing or was hard to find we're always happy to hear like feedback to try and make it better it's certainly our intention to make it uh as discoverable as possible
0: and, and there's a lot of good stuff there, um, and yeah, I think it's just your point that like that's an area where we're always looking for. If 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 you do find something was was difficult, um, but the um, definitely uh, there's a po- pointer to the repo there and, and the docs repo and so on. And I think it's that that's been actually it's been really useful just to kind of force us to do that because um, I think there are, are plenty of people who've had their first Illumos commit while at Oxide, so um, that's yeah. a good way of. of you know making sure that that this is a a process that people can uh, engage with easily and it, it, without too much uh it's not too arduous and so on so that's yeah. been um really terrific work
1: that's definitely our goal is to uh to get as many people as possible sort of comfortable with it enough that when they eventually have something that they find that's broken they can fix it on their own or with you know some help but not like they don't need to file a bug and have someone else fix it basically which is i think something that we did at giant and you know like the sort of general thrust of like it's it's you know it's a shared responsibility all of the software and maybe you don't know that much about all of the bits that you don't work in but certainly you should feel empowered to uh to become, you know, as experienced as you would like in something that's maybe outside of your regular swim lane, and that no one else has time to fix or whatever. Like, it's 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 really all good for everybody, I think.
0: So, XP, which I actually need to open up a a PR to more prominently link what I feel is like the the hidden jewel of the Illumos org site, Josh. And I just dropped in the chat, but the the books link is extremely valuable. Yes, um, the books are good books are good so these are this is a basically these are full books on various aspects of the system Adam it's got our obviously the, the the dynamic tracing guide that we did for dtrace but also like the uh if you're new to the module debugger to mdb um there's a there's actually a really good book on it um and a lot of terrific chapters on on debugging memory corruption and so on so um, and then when I'm writing device drivers, like there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. So if you're if you're new to Alumos or you are Alumos curious, that's a good uh,
1: good source and the to check. Source out. the source for those books is like all available. We got those from Sun and then have transformed and restyled and updated them over the years because they're under a particular open source license. So pretty great. Yeah, that
2: that link is important because the those books don't come up in search results, which is extremely I frustrating. Know. If if you're looking yeah. for a D-Trace thing that we have added, for
1: example, you find the Solaris docs where they well, may not you, have added that thing. So yeah. If you type Illumos into... In your, this is some kind of Google thing that's occurring where we're like... It's decided that Illumos and Solaris are probably synonyms, I guess, or something. Uh, and that, like, there are... You touch know, GT, the, the page rank this, rank... Tush? No, I, you, I, I cast my sabot you know, into the machine, no, Brian.
0: No, 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 no. So go ask ChatGPT a Lumos based questions. It's going to. Don't even get you log into it anymore. Oh, you, you're, it's going to give you such complicated feelings because it is, it's
1: like good. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. I tried to get it to write a particular limerick that I was looking
2: for. ChatGPT, but was, also.
1: It was unwilling. It,
0: and uh and then I would also say try uh, perplexity.ai for your Illumos related searches. That's what I gotta say.
1: Okay. Or also though, if you do use Google, if you type Illumos in in the front of the query before the thing that you would otherwise wish to be searching for, it tends to get a little get bit better. Better results. Or like there's always the site colon org thing. Definitely better results because it like it will constrain it to Okay. So if you, place. if you go to perplex, I know it
0: sounds like I'm like an investor or just maybe a shill, a free when did, shill. Yeah. When did that happen? <laughs> when did I become a free shill for perplexy.ai? Well, you know yeah, look, literally you
1: know, a word that I've like, never heard you say until like this five podcast. Episodes okay. five, five episodes ago. Five ago. Stash, and yeah, I missed that one. Like, look, right. like
0: I'm a cheap date. Like you buy me a ham sandwich you got me for life. <laughs> and you know, it was good. And a Lumos
1: the, ham sandwich. And
0: a Lumos ham sandwich. So if you go, if you go to perplexy.ai and search for a Lumos d the first hit that you get, I mean, it's, i mean it's pretty wild yeah. like it gives you a good, good answer and the first and it, these things are sourced and the first source patrick is the, the actual book that's good it's it's good and you and this is the kind of thing where it's like and the great thing about that is like because it, it clearly it recognizes that as authoritative and if you recognize that as authoritative that's great at some level because there's a lot of good stuff in there so um i think yeah. that's so Adam, I, I have taken you up on your on your challenge that I surely can't make every single episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> in. Yeah, exactly. Watch me, you
1: hastening um, as you are.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but and so, Josh, in terms of the experiences with this, I mean, I think it's been just as a because I feel like I'm like broadly a user of this. Um, yeah, I actually needed to uh I, I needed to make an extension um where we are having to change some tunables on our system. Um right. That we I mean uh, we, we've got some tunables. Oh my god. This is where it's like some to, I a tunable that was introduced
2: uh a bug that was arguably introduced in nineteen ninety one. Are and you, and are and you sitting comfortably sort of bug? Yeah. <laughs> Brian we've <laughs> oh, got oh, to talk know. about some of the some of the hilarious assumptions about like what a large oh, amount of memory was just, Oh my God. Yeah. That was just like
0: wild. The, the And this is, what, I mean, I think it's a great, you know, strength of the system that it has d- the, the deep roots. I, I I generally think are are a strength, but boy, it can be a parody of itself. And uh, in particular, the, uh, we were trying to understand why we were seeing much worse performance uh, of uh, the much worse IO performance um, kind of in the rack and we were on the bench and, Matt Keeter and, and Alan and Josh, you did some, just a lot of debugging to figure out what's going, a lot of detrace to figure out what's going on. And ultimately figuring out like, wait a minute, the arc is like been slammed to its minimum size on this. The arc is down to a, it wants to be a gigabyte on the system. It has a terabyte of memory. Like what the hell happened? And what happened is a, and the, you know, we've seen this a couple of times in the history of the system. But you know, it feels like a good idea to make tunables scale with
1: physical memory, threshold you, values critically. Like threshold like, values, yeah, making a decision based on whether some observable property, like the amount of free memory that's left, is more right. or less than a threshold. And if it's less, that's we're right. going to panic and do something like potentially detrimental to try and save the system. If it's more, we're going to do nothing. We're
0: so going to do nothing, like, right? So yeah. you, you get these kind of these threshold values and. The, 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 the problem is that you, you almost want like anytime someone is going to index anything off of a physical attribute, the amount of memory, the number of cores, you know, what have you, the number of PCIe lanes, it, you, you kind of want to like appear to, uh, like an apparition from the future at their side and say, <laughs> what is the most ridiculous number for this right now? And they would say like, God, I don't know. Let's see the year's 1991. What is the most ridiculous amount of DRAM I can have in the system? Like I like 64 megabytes. It's like, okay, and if you're going to take a fraction of physical and you're going to indicate that as a threshold under which you're going to get extremely concerned, you should put a maximum on that threshold at whatever you feel that bonkers amount of physical memory is. And they're like, right, whatever you? your
1: prediction is, anchor, like whatever prediction.
0: pin it to it's that. Like, who are you and, and and what is that garb that you're wearing? And you say, I come from the year 2024 when... Eight when we have a terabyte of memory on all of these compute sleds.
2: And oh and, and in the meantime, uh folks in chat are asking for a terabyte and a half. So it's like not a terabyte even a half. Right. That's like not memory. even like right. yeah, it's exactly. But these it's computers like, had 14 megabytes, right, at right. <laughs> So and,
0: and yeah. as a result, because then we like appropriately, and Patrick, you did some great work on the reservoir, we want to reserve that memory for like a guest memory. We don't want that for the, the operating system kernel. And so we take 80% of that memory and it's like, nope, can't touch it. We're going to like, which is that more goes than away.
1: 800 gigabytes, like 800 away. Gigabytes. <laughs> right, it's gone. Yeah, And
0: the, and in particular, this, this ancient, ancient tunable, which had said, like, listen, I think that like, and if you've consumed seven eighths of your physical memory, if you only have an eighth of memory left, that's not then- much. That's not much, and it's like ah oh, yeah, that's like a hundred and twenty-five gigabytes. Actually, yeah. it's actually it actually is a lot, as it turns out. And so when you have a system that, and so the the behavior of a system like this ends up being really odd because the like, and this is where you get to the 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 kind of the. This, what's the this old house equivalent for a software system, Adam? I feel like this is what we're kind of like, I think it's like Bob <laughs> Vila, and we're kind of yeah. like, all right, we're going to go into this VM system. Like, oh, the whole wall comes down. Like, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. There's like bugs in here. Yeah, This was all, this all asbestos. It's, yeah. it's
1: full of bees. Right. It's yeah. all
0: be, it's all full of bees and dead bees. Um, the And in particular, the most things in the system don't react to this. But one thing that does react to it is the ARC, the, adap- the adaptive replacement cache. And it's kind of like looking around being like, look, I'm basically like, I don't actually need this memory. It's a cache. So I want to be super sensitive to these various elements of the system. I want to, how much free memory do we have? And it, it looks at this threshold swap f s min free. And if the amount of free memory dips below swap fs min free, it's like, oh my God. Okay. Wait a minute. I can, I will, make like, I, yeah. I will start shooting hostages. Like I was shooting hostages. Like, don't worry. Right. I can shoot some hostages. And
2: uh and so meanwhile
1: many gigabytes of physical free memory just sitting off in the
2: corner just sitting there yeah i do do love this this. i love this code where there's a there's basically an if statement that's like if the system has more than 16 megabytes of memory is that you okay then please continue just (laughs) how 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 long has it been since you know that other path has been executed
1: we've had so many things like this though I i i would observe two things one is that like it shouldn't have been a straight line at a minimum, right? Like, it's like, because you, you, basically all of this thought was done in the 25 minutes that you happen to live in the, what appeared to be the linear region of the graph, right? That you're trying to express (laughs) as the the scaling function. And it should have like tapered off like a smooth log thing or something, right? Like pretty soon (laughs) after that, but we never did that part. And two, It's not even measuring the right thing in a lot of cases. Like, yeah, it's like, yes, you, like, because it's like a complex result, I think, but like particularly with the page out stuff, the the amount of physical memory is not relevant in many cases. It's actually the rate of page out that is possible. But other than being wrong in concept and (laughs) implementation, are there other problems? (laughs) No, other than that, uh, Mrs. Lincoln, it's fine. But like the, I mean, the, it, it just, it's like, you're worried about the system being overwhelmed by things being paged out on on one hand, right? Because that absorbs system resources. But but on the other hand, if that if we don't do that page out, aren't you going to run out of memory? Just do it, like. And on the other hand, the thresholds. It's like it depends on the like the the, the derivative right of the value that we're otherwise looking at, and it feels like it is at best like a proxy measurement that we that was cheap so we just did that and it was not that complicated to think about so we instead of like looking at like the the yeah, real problem it, is like, like what's the what's the scan rate how, how quickly can you evict pages to make room for the memory you're going to need later is really the thing that sits at the the core of a lot of these thresholds i feel like and it's just like the numbers like are nothing to do with that which is unfortunate
0: no, and it's like this. Also, just like dates back to an you know a, a, an earlier time. This is, you know we talk about the kind of taxonomizing the system as right. kind of fetid, immaculate, and grimy, and these are all the grimy bits of the system. Like there is the stuff that like works well enough until it doesn't. And the thing that, that on this particular issue, and there we linked to it in the chat, but the uh, on on this particular issue, it's like the system is like totally fine until you kind of dip below this this somewhat <laughs> magical number. Right. And then it just loses its mind. Right.
1: Because it's, a bang, um, bang thing, right? it's, it's like, a bang, bang control thing, right? It's a bang, bang control thing. It's like it's under like, the thing, good. we're going to only shoot hostages. There will be no right. memory handed out to anybody. Go home. The bank is closed. Like, yeah, it was not good. It, it, it was not good. And then we, yeah, we also like in that era, it's not just like 16 megabytes, right? It's also the uh, 20 megahertz uni processor system or something as well right so it's like not just not that much memory also like incredibly slow so it's not like you can even do a more complicated scheme necessarily than a few integers calculations here and there so like it is a struggle I, i understand Yeah, And and it was definitely interesting to go
0: back to like, where is the origin of this? Cause there's a comment talking about, you know, the ability to, to boot on 16 meg systems. You're like, okay, this is a long, long time ago. And it did indeed goes back to, it does date back to 1991. And, uh, I'm sure we've got some listeners here that for whom that is older than they are. Um, but that (laughs) is, uh, I, I think we, um, Certainly have some colleagues at Oxide who would I mean, this is an older issue than they are, so this has been around for been around for a long time.
1: And we, we have the bug right—the one of the original bugs from the from the old system with the tiny RAM, like the, the text of the Sun bug in the archive, which is definitely what was the like thing? What was the the, the, the thing that we linked to, right? The the OpenSolaris history. BugDB thing with the oh yeah the, yes exactly yes the ancient is, ancient it, evidence it, ancient, of the yes. systems yeah yeah no it, which it definitely is. like that and the arc history is like definitely motivates a lot of like things like getting the Helios repository open and trying to do as much of this stuff in the open as possible with the Illumos stuff and, and things like that like because you think about twenty five years from now yes. There's gonna be so much more evidence of what was going on for like historians people, and, and no, people engineers alike.
0: People are gonna be yeah. like,
1: you know, they're gonna be
0: listening to don't worry, we talked about it on a podcast and go figure out the broken thing we did. But the part I got on, on on this thing in particular, the swap of Minfrey, because we need not that valuable we could, we could just like tune properly upstream. There is a another value that we actually the size of the debuff cache that we actually did want to tune differently for us than on upstream. So I need to go, you know, have our own little Etsy system. And there's a way of doing that with directors and so on. So at, Josh, this is the first time I I've been I've been using Helios a lot as a user of Helios and building a lot of images. Um and I do I love by the way, I it is it, it's it's chatty in a delightful way. I I have to I want to tell you that the um <laughs> which bitch... Bay- <laughs> is when you're building the image. It's like, it oh. does not, it doesn't disappear in silence. It's, it's definitely like I'm telling you what
1: it's doing. And it's it has, like, yeah. you know, it keeps you in the loop. Yeah. It keeps
0: yeah. you in the loop. It's very
1: nice. Um, it tells it, you it, it, which it, file step 74 came from as well. It, does does it like important. Yeah.
0: yeah. It, it it's, it's very, like I said, it's very, very delightfully chatty. Um And so, but this was kind of my first time extending it and using your declarative mechanism and Okay, right. what is it like to say like you know a file that I'm going to have here in Helios and I'm going to deliver it over in another location? It was just all great. Right. It was in it this was location really with intuitive. these permissions yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. yeah it was it, it was really really nice. It was fun to fun to get into and I mean I think it, it's it, you just done a, a great job. I think the developer experience has been really because uh, it's been really. I know it's been a ton of of thankless work. <laughs> uh, I know you've done a ton of work and done a ton of work and bunch of other folks obviously as well but um yeah i think that I mean, from your perspective i mean are you aside from the, the the surprise of it being the top story on hacker news today <laughs> um i mean it it feels pretty vindicating of the approach i mean are there things that kind of stand out to you as as being particularly vindicating or or things that we were wrong about that we had to kind of change
1: gears on so i think uh it was we did some important de-risking stuff really early Critically, uh, we got Cockroach and, and ClickhouseDB ported to the OS. They had only previously run on like Linux and, and maybe the Mac and maybe, maybe FreeBSD in the Cockroach case. I think Clickhouse is probably more cross-platform, but um I did early ports of those just so that we didn't have to like well, we're gonna yeah, you know, we're gonna evaluate doing everything that we did, but but we'll we'll have to run these bodies of software like in a VM or something. On some right. other operating systems like we're able to just yeah. run them all natively i think that was super important and all the work we did on getting rust to work really well and, and 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 like i mean we talk about rust a lot but we also we also have done a lot of work to get go working well and other bits and pieces and tool chains and you know um, yeah
0: and see uh dave Pacheco's odyssey of a bug episode yes I, I, um, good lord yeah I, Adam, I feel that now that you're numbering the episodes, I want to do like the over-under, but I, I, I've i got like, <laughs> it, I,
2: I don't know, 30, 25? No, you already dropped the under already. on 30. Well, I think yeah, we had 30 earlier. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, go, I'll was, go dig
1: it up. I was reading back through the RFD that we'd worked on for quite some time, like trying to decide what to do with respect to operating systems and hypervisors in the first year. And I mean, there's a lot of technical comparisons and uh, stuff in there which are not that probably just I mean anyone could make a different inference I think from any set of facts obviously but I think that the the thing I put in the conclusion the point that I'd made I think I have a copy here. like the particularly Sorry when selecting no, no, an no, operating system yeah. that yeah. there are thousands of dimensions right on, yes. on which these choices can be evaluated and each dimension is a new question that you can ask but because we can only pick one the options are effectively mutually exclusive. All of the thousands of questions ultimately have to go the same way. So yes. like we're not picking Illumos because it's the best at everything. That's right. just the yeah. same way that like, if we had picked Linux, it would not be the best at everything or FreeBSD would not be the best at everything. It, you know, it meet a number of our needs on a certain set of axes. And we felt, I think at the time that we could fill in the rest basically. And I do think that we've done a pretty good job for our goals specifically, which might not ever be the same as anybody else's goals when they're making these decisions. But like, I I feel good. I don't feel like we've made a decision and we're having to like, (laughs) make embarrassed, like look at your shoes whenever anyone asks a question about it, sort of in the future, trying to, you know, pretend that we didn't make a mistake or something. I think we've done, I think we've done well. So I I do feel good about where we're at. I'm glad
0: you mentioned the RFD. It came up a bit in the Hacker News discussion today, and yeah. Steve, you and I were, were were talking about this. I that um, I because I think we want to get RFD twenty six out there. Actually, I, I was going through today. I'm like, we gotta open Maybe. this one up and.
3: And, today was and, me keeping on being like oh this rfd is closed and this rfd is closed we have to finish right. off our open source policy rfd and then that i think published that too is like also now yeah. on my list yeah, we not we it, is do.
0: our open like, source policy rfd is not okay we that one was technically not What's moved
3: what? to like accepted or whatever like i i wrote most of it and then it was clear everybody was going to just do that and so i forgot to like move it into the accepted move it into state a or or I, I will so say that like, this
1: something in the rfd that i wrote at the time was i really didn't feel like Linux were gonna push too hard into the like putting Rust in the kernel. And I, I will yes. say that in what has now been an intervening number of years that they have actually done much better than I expected on that front. Like yes, they're actually given it a spin and and you know it's, it's it's impressive to see that. So that like that's one thing we had in the RFD where I feel like the predicted reality has not really met uh the, I would their expectations that yeah and i think that but know, otherwise RFDs, i think it's probably pretty good like, like you know it is good you know. i
0: think that it, it's um and i think that we we will put it out there because i think we want um fortunately um augustus and ben and david crossbow a bunch of folks um inside of oxide have done a great job allowing us to share rfds on a much smaller granularity so it's really easy for us to make that make a couple of these key ones public um yeah. and steve steve we should go through certainly make the open source policy public one that we should make the, uh <laughs> the, the <Steve> rfd26 <laughs> public yeah. um and because I, I, I think that it's it's helpful for people to see um, our thinking. I think that there was a there was a little bit where uh, definitely the hacker news today is like, well, of course you guys are doing this because like Brian told you to do it, and
3: right, uh, yeah. and then I think which ri- is ridiculous. Like, it's
0: ridiculous. I think Ray don't very tell me quietly. what to do. What do you think you are, my boss? <laughs>
3: totally. Come on, man. Uh, yeah. Honestly, yeah, Ray did
0: a
1: good job as well. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Ray did a
0: good job, basically being like, we kind of don't listen to him.
1: I, I mean, you know, there is was, was that. It was, but even setting that aside, I mean I remember when we started, right? The we'd just yeah. been through the ringer at Samsung, where they blamed us and our dumbass operating system for everything <laughs> that was wrong with the world. True. Do you remember I mean there true. was a slide oh, in a deck God, or something? Like I know, you know we are oh, where our engineers oh, are taught absolutely. to feel shame when they do as badly as you have done or whatever. It's like, okay. Good good meeting. <laughs> good meeting. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it uh I think we were all a little gun shy coming out of that experience. No one was feeling in a particularly like advocate sort of mood, evangelical sort of like, let me tell you the good news about (laughs) the dumbass operating system that is the cause of all problems. Like, yeah, it it took a while to feel confident again, certainly. After that experience. And
0: it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I actually feel that like, I felt that especially strongly, I think we had made a bunch of decisions like very implicitly in the past. And we wanted to be very explicit about a bunch of these big decisions, because I also right. felt honestly the same way about, about, uh, co- about the database decision, because we kind of yes. like made the, we kind of defaulted into a, a lot of Postgres without really surveying. It's not the, the, the worst
1: default
3: to be clear make, this is the right, joint we i just, yeah, want, to, joint, right, I just yeah, want to yeah, clarify yeah, oxide. yeah so we and, definitely
1: did not want to make this the mistake of yeah. assuming that that was the best decision which is why we ended up with not postgres but yeah
0: well and we just wanted to like At, take outside, things to t- take things through their paces and really explore and i think we did a, you know on a bunch of these different axes on on Cockroach and the and the database. I mean, Dave's got a terrific RFD uh, both on the rubric there and what we explored. Ben nacker has got a great RFD and what we explored for and how we landed on the Clickhouse decision. And yeah. I think Josh, your RFD twenty six was really great on how we landed on Illumos. And it was not like not people, just Illumos
1: though. Like we also we made that decision along two pretty different axes. Right. We also were considering the hypervisor at the same time because it was going to be really hard to pick an operating system without also picking yes. a hypervisor like by default right. ultimately so like we, we were yeah. really looking at two pretty different things and trying to rationalize both of them at the same time which was part of why it was complicated and took a long time i think to it was and i, and to I think that decision
0: it, no and, and i think that you know we didn't call it out as much in that rfd if i recall correctly although i want to go pull it up, but the um the kind of the other uh, you know the thing that is really important when you're especially when you are looking at an open source project that you're going to be, um, it's going to be really core to what you're doing. You want to understand, uh, and this actually goes for any component that you're going to integrate. It's like, what are the values that I have? What are the values that it has or its community has and, or its sponsor has and how much do those, uh, overlap? And I think that we, you know, I think that we feel like the values that we have and the values that Rust has, for example, have been really great. You know, it's been a really good overlap. And we, totally. I, unlike in other lives and previous worlds, we felt like we're kind of like butting heads with people because we disagree on the importance of certain things. Like we haven't had that happen. And I feel like that's been true for, um, for Lumos. I think it's been true for, for certainly for Beehive and obviously for Propolis, where we kind of gone, gone our own way. But I, I just feel like a lot of these things that we, that's been part of our rubric. And, uh, that's, I, I think that, that that's been, that's been right, you
1: know, um, yeah. and. Um, I, I particularly like the the focusing act of writing down the positives that we in that Because certainly like the hack and comments are, are a familiar refrain, right? It's like you're just picking the thing that you like, <laughs> that you like, right? It's like, you know, right. actually through therapy in a number of years, I am picking the thing that I like, but also I like it because it's good. Like that's the. Right. Like I, it's not like I like it because I've picked a sporting team like I <laughs> picked a tool yeah. that I think is good at certain things, and the reason I enjoy using it is because it like it, it help like the there are many technical properties of the tool that help me do the work that I'm trying to do so yes, I do like it but but there are also a number of like complex technical reasons that that that's true, and we should explain those, and we we owe to to people to at least explain why they don't have to agree, but like we should explain our thinking. I think that's the yeah.
3: I think the sports team analogy is definitely accurate, and I've used it myself uh, when thinking about like why this is sometimes a touchy question. It, yeah. it sort of feels like there's an implication that we are not sober technologists evaluating tools and choosing the right one but instead are rooting for sports teams and that's kind of like professionally a little insulting and so it's easy to get a little defensive about this um, because of things like that uh or that like we only know things about Illumos and not about other operating systems right like right uh laura in particular was like a very big part of co- talking about this decision and she has an incredible depth of linux experience so by suggesting that like oh we only know and like this one thing and picked it is like also sort of low-key insulting the people who uh you know have a great breadth of knowledge and we have many of those people at oxide so i think that's Uh, at least why it like gets my hackles going a little team it's also
1: kind of insulting you know like on some level like we supported guest operating systems at Giant. like we we were running many different linuxes (laughs) and, and windows and we had i mean for god's sake there was a company it's a company that didn't end up buying anything from Giant, but it really seemed like they were going to buy something.
2: <laughs> yes, and
1: yes. I enthusiastically. Oh, hold on, everybody,
2: get out your bingo card because
0: I, I
1: they believe had, had an old, to... <laughs> old system in some, uh, let's say, point of sales sort of area. I think that, that was running on SCO source. And they were running that under, I assume, VMware or whatever. And they were like because they were I assume using us to uh get a good VMware deal or whatever, like had no intention of buying anything, but they were, but they gave us really quite a lot of technical detail about what they were not gonna buy from us and so foolishly put our back into so we <laughs> we supported for a, a good week there like sco open server under the giant smart os thing being and, you uh, i think
0: frenetically did the work to get and yeah, going it way worked
1: deep. it definitely worked i remember uh when people talk about the glory of the unix past i would like to direct them to sco open server in which one has <laughs> to relink the kernel to change certain aspects of the ip address configuration of the machine so, oh. you know, it's not all great oh, in the past, actually. Certainly there was a lot of, like, you know, at some point we stopped panicking and starting returning EIO, things like that. Like, let's not, let's not think too, too well of the, the distant I, I uh, era before. I
0: do love the Wikipedia page for open server. It's like, open server, source <laughs> model, closed source. Like, <laughs> source model, none. <laughs> source model, none. It's like, what? Okay, so when we say open server, what do we actually, yeah. what is the yeah. open? In open there was that industry.
1: period of Earth's history where yes. Open VMS and Open Server and uh, Oracle's open open systems? Open systems.
0: No, this, this is. I this remember. Is, yeah. No, this is this early history of Sun. It's about it's about the open system. Open, open Systems, systems right. being like no, because I told you like I've told you what the API is. It's open. That's right. It's yeah. like it's
2: like a book it, and everything.
1: And yeah. and there is some truth it's to that, book,
2: actually. See,
1: like, I mean, no. you think about, like, there, there is actually some value in... Sure. Even if yeah. you're going to deliver a proprietary component, like, it having a documented API that other people can interact with and interoperate with. And, like, because at the time, recall, Microsoft didn't even have that. Like, it took acts of parliament in foreign countries to get them to talk about SMB, right? I mean, basically. So... Anyway, I but know, yeah, it just Adam it, I I, I, degrees I of see openness. You,
0: uh, I see you denigrating Haiku in the chat. I love Haiku as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have so many great memories of Haiku. You know what? Haiku's got a really good kernel debugger actually. If you need really? to do bring up of a of a new hypervisor, like you could do worse than Haiku.
1: Haiku is which cuz you oh, kind of right. need a, a, something with a good kernel debugger because I I like things like Haiku because even though I'm not really interested in using it, right? I enjoy it's kind of like a all men are brothers kind of thing it's like you too are a minority operating system that 18 other people are interested yes. in and somehow have survived 10 additional years beyond like all the while people telling you like it's really sad that that operating system died it's like i'm still here what do you <laughs> like so you're come on. I can you hear you right now it's like can you I'm am in i room. invisible like right. i know god you know it's like
0: yeah yeah, I know. I think you always find us having a, I, I, and I think it it has kind of given us a reverence for all systems, great and small. Yes. Um, because uh there's a lot of great stuff that's out there that is uh we're trying, but it, as you say i mean just kind of the we had to make a big decision and it's and we made a big decision around around cockroach and clickhouse and rust and all these other things too and when you're yeah. making a big decision you know building you're our own computers it. and stuff and not having building a our computers and, and, oh, yeah. right. and you know we're going to and the right no ipmi no acpi no uefi no four-letter acronyms whatsoever actually no bias for, eliminated uh, IP, all, of the acronyms. And all the other ones that we've invented okay, yeah fair enough yeah, yeah there's right. that
1: yes U, uart is a four-letter acronym unfortunately you, heard, uh,
0: you know how can you come up with these so quickly this is like the you know it's like a crossword brain that can go to this quickly yes all right fine we have many four-letter acronyms <laughs> um none with a consortium that's true um but Josh, this has been this is great work. It's been as a as a user of Helios, it's been uh, I've been really excited to get this out there and have uh, to have this conversation. Um, and I again I was surprised that there
1: was, um, but I but I shouldn't have been because people have uh, been waiting just, for it. I feel like you know, yeah. and it's been leaking out the side, like you like if you you know the package repository was available, uh, obviously because it's like again none of it's proprietary. It's just that we. We're more embarrassed about the mess in the source base than anything else. Um, <laughs> right. But the, yeah, like the, I, I personally am super excited for a future in which people who are like 22 or something, right, in, some, in, the, in this magical future, go on eBay and they can buy like a gimlet that fell off the back of something and they can take this software and they can put this offer on it because like it's open source and they're allowed to do that. Because, I mean, when I, when, I was, when I was young, I had, like, a bunch of, like, awfully some gear in my garage, right? And uh, I think that it's, like, you've made it as a computer company when there is a bunch of old, old hardware that you made in the past that still works because you've made it well. But it's really cheap because it's old and, and there's a bunch of it floating around. So, like, that's, I'm excited for that, that point in our future so, history.
0: So, somewhere. Somewhere out there, there's <laughs> there, there's there's an infant who is currently crying to be changed. But before you right. know it, that'll be a 22 year old hipster taking a gimlet and yeah. getting it. Uh, hipster finding a supply that
1: works. Yeah. Exactly,
0: uh, it'll be like 2043, and they are uh, playing this right. podcast at 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 3x, trying to find the actual bit where they get like, I need the bit where they tell me how to get the archive working.
1: Um, isn't that isn't that a glorious thing though to think about? Like the, that's. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for that. I'm that, excited. That, that's how you know you've arrived. you like like, that, that's right.
0: When you're when you're uh, retro hip, it's true. <laughs> yeah, right. eBay hip. <laughs> eBay hip. Well, it's been um, Josh. Again, this has been awesome. Um, and Steve, thanks for. Uh, joining me in the hacker news comments. You definitely you've been Yeah, we're in the trenches, trenches together.
3: Once again.
1: Trenches.
0: Just just when you think I'm done with my are, tours
3: of duty, there's another tour showing up.
1: When I saw I, that there were 132 comments or whatever, I wasn't quite expecting that like 45 of them would have been from Steve, but he's doing a lot of work over there.
0: No, it, he's it, really, really good stuff. Um and Patrick, thank you as well for for joining us. Uh this has been a lot of fun, Adam, this has been it's been great. So Thanks for, uh, uh, and, and I, I know you look forward to your regifted birthday present. Of <laughs> yeah. Sunburst. It, Ascent it, of Sun uh, Microsystems. That's right. It's
2: nice and, nice and tight for me.
0: And exactly. I'll just cover over this library marking. So you think I bought it new.
2: Good meeting. Um.
0: Good meeting. Absolutely. All right. Well, we um I think the, I know a, a bunch of people have asked. So look for um I think we want to do a deep dive on Crucible coming up soon. So um the uh, stay tuned our for our storage service to be clear. Our storage service um with Alan Hansen and crew. Um so uh, look for that in a in a future episode. We also want to get to I think we've got a bunch of uh Patrick wanna have you come back and talk propolis. I think we got a bunch of things we want to talk about. So stay tuned.